0: go to John 15, we could spend probably the next uh, 12 weeks in the verses that we're going to read today, but we're going to spend about 30 minutes, maybe 25 minutes in these verses. So we're not going to get all of it, uh, but I know that the Spirit is going to be talking to all of us. And I want to remind you as we go through, we do series on purpose. We're kind of trying to get the flow of what John is presenting to us, what he has captured from Jesus's night. And so in the last few weeks, we've talked about living with an unshakable hope that should be an earmark of being a believer. That come come good, come bad, come up, come down. Believers are people who live with a confident hope. And we talked last week about people who experience deep and lasting peace as their norm. And I pray that we've been on a journey of learning. We talked about healing from betrayals. We talked about how Jesus invites us or commands us to choose to serve others instead of using whatever we have simply for ourselves. So as we've gone through chapter 13 and chapter 14, and now we're starting chapter 15, this may sound Idealistic, And I think, you know, we talk about young people being idealistic. Sometimes as we get older, maybe we have a few more bumps and bruises in, in life, and maybe we get a little bit more what we call realistic. And so we read these words from Jesus, and you might think they're very idealistic. But clearly Jesus is explaining these things to his followers and expecting them to live them out. He's not just speaking them, he's teaching them. And now today, what we're going to do is we're going to see that as he spoke last week and the last two weeks about giving us the Holy Spirit as a help, we're going to find out a little more about what that means and how that works in our lives, because he's going to give us a picture today, a picture that is simple enough to understand. You will see evidences of this in your life in the coming weeks and months all around you. And as we see this picture, what he's trying to do is help us and help them sort out what he's been teaching them, crystallize it into something that they can do, something they can use. It actually helps us even understand when he gives the command, a new command I give, love one another as I have loved you. Well, isn't that impossible? He's Jesus and I'm not. The picture that he gives us today helps us understand how that's even possible to love other people like Jesus loves us. It's a very simple truth. We are about to turn, this is the last Sunday of February. We're about to turn our corner into the the month of March, and spring starts in March, and then plants start growing, and flowers, and bushes, and sprouting and budding. And, you know, this past week we had a little semblance of that with like a really, really warm day, like a little taste of it before, you know, snow yesterday. So who knows what's up. But in that, Jesus says, you know how things grow? You know how plants exist? I want to talk about that. Because at the end of chapter 14, he's like, come let us go. So the sense is that they're on their way walking through the city. And, and you just can picture that he looks over at some house or building or whatever and there's a vine growing or, or someone's you know got a, a vine happening around their, their property there. And he's, talk, he's pointing to that and he's saying, you see how that happens? You understand how that happens? I want to talk about that. A few years ago, uh, in March, we had a snowstorm, as we often do here in New Jersey. No snow through the winter, but then, you know, March, here it comes, right? And that snowstorm happened after it had been warm enough for, like, leaves to sprout on trees and things like that. And what it did in, in our yard is it broke significant chunks off of a couple trees in our yard. Like, one of the trees in the, in the front yard, the whole uh, back half of it broke off and fell down because it had all this... Uh, surface area that it could gather that snow and it weighed it down and broke that tree in our backyard. It broke a significant branch off of one of the trees and those, those branches were down. So what I did after that, I went out with a chainsaw and I finished cutting those branches off of the tree. They were, you know, just connected by a little bit of bark or something like that. So I finished cutting them off. I chopped them up and I put them out at the curb. I did not leave them there thinking that somehow they would be okay. Right? It's a very simple truth. It's broken off from the plant. It's broken off from the from the living organism. It's broken off from the tree. And because it lost that connection, it's going to die. Simple. Nobody came out while I had the chainsaw out and was like, what are you doing? They're like, oh yeah, the tree broke off. You You gotta clean it up. Because when you lose connection with the trunk, when you lose connection with the tree, it's going to die. It cannot live without that connection. And believer, this is as simple as it gets. We don't live unless we are connected to Jesus. Like a branch is connected to the vine. Do you feel dead inside this morning? You feel numb? Feel burnt out? Whenever we get there, Jesus has given us this illustration to say, here's the problem. You've lost connection with the vine. You've lost your connection with life. And I wonder sometimes why believers live half dead. Why wouldn't we want to be connected to Jesus? Why would we choose to cut off his life flowing through us? Why would we ever allow our lives and the busyness of them and the tasks in them to pull us away from the unbelievable privilege of being connected to Jesus? We make it so complicated, but it really is so simple. I'm not saying it's not profound. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm just saying you don't have to keep learning new truth in order to live the life Jesus wants to give you. You just need to know that Jesus is life and I need to be connected to him. That's the illustration he's going to give us today. And as we talk about this in the context of one night where Jesus speaks to people who are about to go out and change the world, and we look at these words that he gave us, I believe that One of the reasons that it's so easy for us to be distracted and disconnected from the life that comes from Jesus is because people who are deeply connected to Jesus have the power to change the world. There is a force that doesn't want that power unleashed in your life. It's a force that wants you to live in the dryness and the misery of disconnection. And there's a force that doesn't want you to come to life and let that spill over to other people who are hurting and broken, and lost, and wandering. People who understand how to live connected to the vine, producing much fruit, are people who change the world. So let's see the words of Jesus in verses 1 to 4 of John 15. He says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes boy, I'll tell you, we could go, even just those four verses, we could go a long, long time. But I want to summarize some things for us here. I want to talk about, Jesus begins by talking about how he is the true vine. Verse one, I am the true vine. Many statements that Jesus has done through the gospels, the I am, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. Here he says, I am the true vine. True has some implications here, like some things that, that maybe we don't have time to posture. If he's the true vine, does that mean there are fake ones? Huh. So there are places that a branch could try to connect itself to to get life, but, and it looks like a vine, and it maybe tells you that it's a vine, and tells you that if you connect to it, it's gonna produce life in you, and then you connect to it, and it doesn't. So you connect harder to it, and it still doesn't. Maybe the proof is in the fruit. Maybe it is as simple as, I should already know this isn't going to work. So there are imposter vines out there that cannot give us life no matter how hard we try. But I want to kind of go to this, because as the disciples hear these words, the vine, they are going to um, lean into their history in the Old Testament because the picture of the vine or a vineyard is used over and over again in the Old Testament to picture Israel. In Psalms, Psalm 80 specifically, in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, in Ezekiel, in Hosea. But every time that it's used in the Old Testament to talk about the Israel as a vineyard, Israel as a place that God is, is using this imagery of a vineyard, it's always used to note how unfruitful they are. Throughout the Old Testament, Israel, you're my vineyard. Why aren't you producing any fruit? And the father is at work trying to get his vineyard to be productive, but they are not. Now Jesus says, but I am the true vine. Right? Israel, you were supposed to be. You were were called into this, but I'm going to come and be the fulfillment of God's purpose and plan through Israel. Because Israel's purpose was that God's glory would be known through all the world. That all the nations would see and come and worship this God of of heaven and earth. That people would be blessed through Abraham's offspring. But it never, never got there. Because Israel was an unfruitful vine. Jesus is, but I am the true vine. I am the one to whom all the Old Testament points in all of its rituals and sacrifice, in all of the revelation, in all the stories of Exodus and of Judges and Samuel and Saul and David and Solomon and the prophets. All of it points to Jesus. All of it points to Jesus. Jesus. Israel was supposed to embody the one that they worship, revealing and reflecting his glory to the world, but they did not. And all of the prophets, prophet after prophet, were like, what's going on, Israel? You've been called to be this vine that produces fruit. But instead, you constantly rebel and you diminish God's reputation amongst those who don't know him. But now Jesus comes and says, I am the true vine. I'm the one, I'm the reason that you were called a vine in the Old Testament, because I am the embodiment full of grace and truth. I am God Himself come in human form. I have come to show the Father to the world so that all will believe and follow me, and everyone will put their trust in me. As Jesus says that, what he's saying is, number one, God's purpose is not thwarted by the failures of men. Right? For 1500 years, he had called Israel out and and made them his own people. And they just failed and failed and failed. From Abraham, let's make no mistake, it didn't start out well and it didn't end well, right? From Abraham, who was a man that, that made all kinds of horrific mistakes in his life, right through Isaac, right through Jacob, right through Jacob's children and and all of their mess in the book of Genesis. All through the Old Testament, the seed of Abraham rebelled, even as God is delivering. And we went through Exodus and Numbers here at church. Oh, through Exodus and Numbers, were God's people like, thank you so much, God, you're so great. Or were they like, why do we have to eat this bread? And why did you bring us out here to kill us, God? Over and over and over again, Right? So as you go through the Old Testament, you find that these people that are called to be fruitful and declare the glory of God to the world can't do it. And now Jesus comes and says, well, I am the true vine. And now there's going to be fruit. But he goes beyond just saying, I am the true vine. He says two things. He says, my father is the gardener and you are the branches. We get to be the branches. We have the ability from Jesus in connection with Jesus to show this world Jesus. If we understand the simple reality that we need to be connected to him like a branch needs to be connected to the vine, otherwise we repeat the people of God's mistake through the Old Testament. Let's talk about the father real quick because that kind of is the point in some of this and where we get confused. What he says is the father is the gardener. The Father is watching over this vineyard, over this vine and its fruit. And the point of a vine and a vineyard is to produce fruit. Is that, do I need to do a lot of uh, like deep study on that for you? The point of the vine is to produce fruit, right? That's what we want. That's what we want out of the vine. And if you're a gardener, you're going to go to work. So when fruit is not produced, the Father notices it and addresses it. All right, so maybe we're going we're gonna to get a little bit personal here in your life. Because maybe what's happening in your life is a reflection of this reality. When fruit is not being produced, the Father goes to work. It says there are fruitful branches, and the Father prunes fruitful branches. So I'm living for you, Jesus. Why is this happening? You know, it kind of gives this image of pain and loss and cutting away, pruning, taking things out of my life. But Jesus says... What God is doing in you, if you are fruitful by being connected to the vine, is God is working to make you more fruitful. And when he talks about fruitful, what's he talking about? Is he talking about your bank account? Is he talking about your physical well-being, your health? What he's talking about is fruit for the kingdom. He's talking about the stuff that will last forever, that a million years from now you'll be glad that you did because the results of it will still be true. He's not talking about wiping away the the frustrations of a moment or the tiredness of a week or the grief and loss. He's not talking about taking care of when he says fruitful. What he's saying is the father, the gardener, is at work trying to make sure that we produce as much fruit as possible for eternal good. The father prunes so that people can remain healthy and increase in their fruitfulness. Now, sometimes we get real direct correlation. Every single thing means something. But the point is pretty simple. That God is at work to help us be most fruitful in what lasts. Which means, if you understand gardening at all, if you understand uh, taking care of a vineyard at all, you have to cut away what needs to get out of the way. So some of our lives right now, the big questions over our head are really just, if if you could listen and you could understand this, they are God cutting away what needs to get out of the way so that your purpose for the kingdom can be unveiled and unleashed on the world around you. The problem is that these vines, I mean, these branches, when God starts trimming, we start grabbing and pulling it back. Right? Whoa, 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 God, I need that. Why does that need to go? I like that. That's what makes me comfortable I, I, I have had that all my life. Why would that get taken away? I was just going to give you a little for instance here sometime. Sometimes I hear American Christians talking about the loss of our rights as Americans as a big, horrible, horrific reality. And it may come, it may come I'm not making any comment on that because I don't, whatever, right? But listen, let me ask you this. If your rights as an American needed to go so that you could be more fruitful for the kingdom of God, is that all right? See, but we're not, like if it happened, we're not convinced that that's what needs to happen, right? Because we don't, we don't, when we say, take the world, give me Jesus, we mean, uh, could you guys just like run by me what you want to take out of my life first? And I'll let you know if I'm, if I'm ready for that or not, if I'm like emotionally prepared for that or not. The Father prunes the word is to trim clean from all useless shoots, from everything, to trim it clean. Even uh, fruit gets cut off so that more fruit can be produced in a vineyard, which is why when that word trims clean from useless shoots, which is why Jesus then comes back and says in verse three, and you are already clean. He's like, you're already trimmed. You're, God's already clean. With the words that I've spoken to you, we've we're started cutting away things that need to go. What isn't... Producing fruit is something the farmer sees as untrimmable. What takes away resources that are needed to produce more fruit is what the farmer sees as trimmable. There's no mystery here for those who understand the simple realities of a vine and fruit. God trims us. He pulls away stuff that doesn't deserve our time and our attention and our energy so that we will bear more fruit. Even if you're being fruitful, the trimming process happens. But then he says, if a whole branch is fruitless, that's something to trim. If a whole branch is fruitless, that we get a little lost in this imagery of like, oh no, what about the security of salvation? And does somebody save and then lose? That's not what he's saying. He's not talking about that. What he's saying is it's so obvious because the point of a vine and its branches is fruit. So those who understand this are working to maximize fruit. Fruit. The fruit is only possible when connected to the vine. And so it becomes obvious that you're not connected to the vine when you're not producing fruit. When someone seems connected and yet there's no fruit. It's clearly a problem. Just like Israel had seemingly been connected to the Lord, but hadn't produced fruit of the kingdom, it was obvious there was a problem. But it's only obvious if you understand what fruit is. Fruit is not that my life is going well, that I'm, I'm, I'm flourishing, that my crops are coming in, that my herds are great, that, that I have big influence, that I'm famous. That's not fruit. Fruit is God's supernatural work of grace and redemption in people who trust him and follow him. It is a spreading of this kingdom that is eternal and spiritual, which is why Jesus would say it's not about grabbing authority and power and making people. It's about putting on a towel and washing people's feet and taking on the the form of a servant. In the Old Testament, the vine wasn't productive. Clearly, the problem wasn't God. Something was off in the vineyard and God kept working to address it, but he could never really get Israel to steadfastly embrace their call to fruitfulness through the Mosaic law and the Abrahamic covenant and all that. He could never really get them to buy in. But now he's given us something different, right? We have the spirit he just talked about. We have the spirit in us. And in that spirit inside of us, it is our connection. So as we lean into that and we allow the spirit to have us, fruit is produced in us. So when Jesus talks about branches getting cut off, I'm sure that in in moments when the the disciples look back on this moment, they connected that removed branch idea to Judas. But I think it's more than that. Even in the next verses that we're going to read, A Christian who is unfruitful in their role will likely be removed from that role so that the kingdom goes forward, right? For their good and the good of the kingdom. It could be removed as in taken from this earth or it could be set aside and someone else stepped in so that their refusal to let the vine produce fruit for them is out of the way for those who are producing fruit because this is what God is doing God is at work building his kingdom through his people. God is at work doing that. The question is not, can I bend God to my kingdom? The question is, am I gonna surrender to his? Am I gonna yield myself to him or not? Is he gonna be the vine and I'm the branch drawing life from him or not? Succeed or fail, whether God's people succeed or fail, one day he returns to finalize all of it to bring the kingdom fully realized. But right now he invites us to understand and see what he's doing and to join him. So as we go from this place today to wherever we have to go this week, you are a branch, he is the vine. And what he's saying is, your purpose in this life, while we can easily lose track of this, your purpose in this life all day, every day, in every single variety of situation, at school, at home, at church, at work, where you're hanging out with your friends, just spending time alone, your purpose is to be fruitful for eternity. In the the cause of Jesus, fruitful equates to eternal gain. Lost people coming to Jesus. Redemption being poured out. Healing, hope, peace being shared with others. Stuff that will last forever. And so I would say to us, maybe the Father has been trying to get our attention by trimming, by asking us to set aside what isn't eternally fruitful. And as he is at work in your life, do you welcome it or do you resist it? But what if he takes away something you really like? What if he takes away your comfort or your reputation or your health? For almost every single person sitting at this table, fruitfulness ultimately came at the cost of their lives. As Jesus is looking, and Jesus too, fruitfulness for eternity for every person that he's talking to when he says this was you're gonna die. For this, that's fruitfulness. I think we need to pursue a, a, a cause, a value system that makes dying worth it. That knowing Christ, being connected to Christ, and living for Christ is so valuable that if I had to lay my life down for it, if I had to give my life to it, if I had to, whatever I had to lose, less than that or up to that or including that. All of it is worth it. It's an easy decision. Before I go on, I just want to quickly address this idea that that what Jesus is saying is maybe that you could lose your salvation. Make no mistake, those who are Christians truly are always Christians. The rest of this gospel, the book of John, we don't have time to get into it, but the rest of this gospel makes that abundantly clear that once you become a child of God, you are born again, that it's a work of God through grace in your life. What he's saying here is, Christians, you are called for a purpose and that purpose matters. And he's saying, you cannot be connected to Jesus and never produce eternal fruit. Connection to Jesus, if you are connected to him, it produces fruit in you and through you. Let's keep going because that's exactly what he says next. You can't be connected and never produce fruit. Verse five and six. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. It isn't enough to be a branch. Well, I'm a Christian. It isn't enough to be a branch. You must be connected to the vine. There is only one branch that will bring you life. We know this. There's only one place that you will find life. It's in Jesus. There's only one vine. Whenever we're connected to the vine, we bear fruit. And in contrast, Jesus says, when we're not connected to the vine, we do nothing. We do nothing. It doesn't mean we're just like, you know, shut down and we don't do anything. We do what we do, does nothing. It has no value. It has no point. It is empty busyness, which far too often describes our life. Jesus says, what we produce on our own is not fruit that lasts. That's why we are people of God's word. That's why we are people of prayer, because we must intentionally and consciously stay dependent on our connection with Jesus to guide us and power us. It's exactly why the Holy Holy Spirit's role is to keep us connected to Jesus. He was given to us for this purpose. So I'm saying, believer, you want to be connected to the vine? Jesus said, I gave you the Holy Spirit so you could stay connected to the life that I'm going to pour out through you. So if you don't know how to live in the Spirit, if you don't know how to hear the Spirit, if you don't know how to follow the Spirit, that's your homework for this week you cry out to God and say, God, I don't know. I'm glad the Spirit's in me, but I don't know how to follow him, surrender to him, let him have me. I don't know how his power to flow in me. And I guarantee you, God who gave you the Spirit wants you to know how to be connected to the vine, and he's going to use the Spirit to teach you how to surrender to his work and his leading. If you are not bearing much fruit, Jesus has given you a diagnostic. If you are not bearing much fruit, know that this is the natural outcome of remaining in the vine. If bearing much fruit is the natural outcome of remaining in the vine, then if you're not bearing much fruit, you are not connected to the vine like you need to be. If you feel like your life isn't accomplishing anything for Jesus, you feel a little empty day in, day out, know that that is the natural outcome of being a branch apart from him. What about these burned branches? Are these people going to hell? (laughs) Listen, let's not overdo the illustration. Jesus is not trying, and on the illustrations he gives, he's not trying to compare every single thing to every single thing. What he's saying is, just like John, in the book of John, John has made it clear that we receive life from Jesus, that life is eternal. It's a work of God. So when we're born again, we're forever part of his family. And some people who say they're saved are not. John, in 1 John 2, 18 and 19, when he talks about people who had left the the church and left Jesus, he says, John, the apostle, the same person writing this, said they did so because they never belonged to Jesus, because if they had, he uses this word, if they had, they would have remained with us. Same word. They would have remained with us. So sometimes branches are unfruitful because they don't, they're not a branch. They've never been, they don't belong to the vine. So maybe sometimes we're unfruitful because we thought we were in, but we're not in. We've never really given our life to Jesus. For for context, Ezekiel used much of the same picture as a warning for Israel in Ezekiel 15. You say you're people of God, but you're not. But what Jesus is saying here is he's continuing the concepts of the last chapter. He's saying, you are in me and I am in you, just like the Father is in me. Remain in my love. He uses the word remain in my love and now he uses the word remain in the vine. He says, I will send the Holy Spirit who will be in you and will teach you, and guide you, and remind you. Now he's saying that their relationship with God through the Holy Spirit is to be like a vine and branches. And he's saying, connected, you are alive and produce fruit. Disconnected, you dry up and basically are so dry, you're like firewood. It is so obvious that you're dry, that people don't go by and go, oh, well, that branch is just wilted a little. They're like, that branch is done. The longer you stay disconnected from Jesus, the drier you get. It goes with Jesus' statement, apart from me, you can do nothing. You won't be alive. You won't make it. You'll be dried out. You'll be so obviously dried out that you'll be like branches that people see and think, well, they're only good for firewood. That's all they're good for because there's no life in them. Suffice it to say that in Christ, we can tell if we are connected or not by what our weeks and our months and our days produce spiritually. There is no substitute for fruit as an evidence that you are in Christ. I know, I've talked to some people sometimes who are like, I don't know if I'm saved. You know why most people have have that struggle? Because they aren't willing to surrender to Jesus and follow him. Because when you surrender, when you connect to the vine, he starts to produce fruit in you, and then it's obvious to you that you know him. When you live as a person who has trusted Jesus but won't surrender to him, then you constantly live a little bit dead inside, and you're like, all these other people, when we start worshiping, the roof's gonna come off, and I'm like, what's going on? Because I'm not connected to it. And it's not this really big, complicated thing We're not talking about scholars sitting around the table here who understood all kinds of deep, you know, calculus spiritually. There's people, he's like, you've got to, just like you've been following me now, the Spirit's coming, follow him like you followed me, and he's going to give you power, he's going to give you guidance, and now you're going to go change the world. When we are connected to the vine... We bear much fruit. We bring glory to the Father and we are easily identified as followers of Jesus. That's what he says in verse seven and eight. He says this, "'If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples.'" We get a little bit of clarity on what does it mean to remain in Jesus. He says, my words remain in you. What I've taught you, what I've exposed you to, what I've shown you by by my teaching, it lives in you. We'll talk about more on that in a couple weeks. But in this agricultural mode, it means those things have taken root in us and they start to produce results. What Jesus says about life, about mission, about kingdom, about serving, about laying down, has taken root in me. And it guides my life day in and day out. We also get more clarity on asking whatever you wish for. Jesus says this promise applies when we are remaining in him. And it produces fruit to the glory of the Father. In other words, when I'm talking about asking for whatever I wish, Jesus connects it to you are connected to me. So what you're asking for is what you need to produce fruit. And if you ask for what you need to produce fruit, the Father's going to give you what you need to produce fruit. Whatever it takes. He's gonna give you because you are serving the kingdom. You are producing fruit. He says that asking and that remaining shows them to be disciples of Jesus. It becomes obvious showing yourselves to be my disciples. It becomes obvious that we're disciples of Jesus. How does it become obvious? Stay connected to Jesus. How do we bear fruit? Stay connected to Jesus. It's as simple as that. As spring comes, This is the the word Jesus has for us. I am the vine, you are the branches. And I'll tell you right now, we can change the world by producing the fruit that comes through connection with Jesus. We're gonna look at just for a minute at how we got that connection with Jesus